0: Hello, everybody. Jesse here. You're listening to a partial preview of a premium... preview. Preview,
1: Jesse. Preview.
0: Yeah, what did I say? Partial preview. But what should I be saying? Oh, preview. Preview. Should we oh just my god, keep how this? many times do
1: we have to do this? Yeah, so we have to keep it. Okay.
0: You're listening to a preview, a complete preview. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to part of a premium episode of blocked <laughs> Reported. Let's
1: start calling it a trailer.
0: This is an episode we did about the question of what a woman is. As duked out in the pages of the New Statesman, a lefty British magazine, uh, you're going to hear part of it. If you want to hear the rest of it, go to blockterreported.org, shell out $5 a month or more, and you'll get three extra episodes a month, much like this one. Anything you want to add, Katie? Should we delay people's gratification further? This is the
1: best way to support the show. So if you want us to keep going, please, blockterreported.org.
0: Thanks for listening, and hope you enjoy the preview. Okay, so... Yeah, there were these sort of dueling articles in the New Statesman, which is an August left-wing British magazine, and they are about the question um, that's been on everyone's mind because literally no one knows the answer. Say it with me. What is, what a, is woman? a woman? Okay, we almost synced that up. Um, where should we begin with all this? Because it's it's been quite the event.
1: Let's uh, let's start with the characters involved. So there were two essays. One was by the famed evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins. The second was by...
0: The other is by the guy with his dick out. They got him. <laughs>
1: the second was by uh, Matt Walsh. No, it was by uh, the feminist and linguistic scholar Jacqueline Rose. And yes, the question they were both tasked with answering is what is a woman? And so it turns out there's a bit of a backstory on how this these dueling uh, essays came about. And we know this because... Richard Dawkins actually told this little story on Jerry Coyne's blog. The blog is called Why Evolution is True. Coyne is also an evolutionary biologist as well as an extremely prolific blogger. He blogs like it's 2003. Have you know have you seen his blog lately?
0: Yeah well I, I know because he's like my one remaining supporter and he <laughs> <always> <laughs> routinely mentions my stuff. Yeah,
1: the only person left
0: on the internet who likes me.
1: He blog he' he posts multiple blogs a day. So he wrote a post about the articles we're going to be discussing today, and Dawkins actually showed up in the comments section, and he said this: "New Statesman." Which,
0: by the way, is a very Dawkins thing to do. If you know his history at all, that's like that's his thing.
1: Yeah, he'll come in, and he'll just say things like, uh, "Muslims aren't real,
0: <laughs> exterminating <laughs> the Downsy babies. I don't believe in Muslim self ID." Yeah, exactly.
1: So he wrote, "New Statesman commissioned my piece out of the blue, rather to my surprise, on twenty ninth March." I sent it on 4th April, having been told it would be published the following week. In the event, it wasn't published for more than three months. I was eventually told the reason for the long delay. Perhaps under pressure from junior members of staff, that's a pure guess, but a common pattern in publishing today, they decided they needed to publish an opposing view. They were having trouble finding one, and I think it shows. Ouch.
0: Katie, I did something I don't usually do, which is reporting and I talked to someone with some knowledge of the situation they uh, they Ooh. basically just confirmed what Dawkins said
1: <laughs> so his
0: his pure guess was uh, well no not the younger staffer thing we don't know about we don't know who did it but the what I heard was that someone at the New statesman, didn't like the magazine taking that stance and was like, let's get the opposing side in. Okay, gotcha. Like it was just, it was going to be just uh, uh, Dawkins at first.
1: Okay, so people can probably guess the gist of these essays based on who the authors are. We have an evolutionary biologist on the one hand and a feminist scholar on the other. But before we get into the dirty details, how would you describe each author's thesis?
0: So Dawkins basically just argues that like being male or female in the biological sense, is a very clear-cut thing uh, in, like, almost 100% of cases. Um, And he argues that, like, these distinctions matter and that he's very much unconvinced by attempts to, like, problematize them. That's my term, not his, but, like, this whole idea that, like, if you feel differently, that's what makes you a man or woman versus your biology. He's basically saying, like, we have a simple answer to the question of, of what a man and a woman is, and it's rooted in biology. And then Jacqueline Rose's column is just an attempt to sort of Problematize that idea and say like no, that's not what makes you a woman. All this other stuff can make you a woman.
1: Yeah, and then Matt Walsh in his essay, a woman is uh, the, the the person who needs help opening the pickle jar.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. They got a third voice in there, sort of a moderate,
1: and they needed an American voice. Uh, okay, so yeah. let's get a little granular. And there was one passage that stood out to me. Dawkins wrote this: In mammals, including humans, there are occasional intersexes. Babies can be born with ambiguous genitalia. These cases are rare. The highest estimate, 1.7% of the population, comes from the US biologist Anne Fausto Sterling, but she inflated her, her estimate hugely by including Klinefelter and Turner syndromes, neither of which are true intersexes. And then he goes a little bit into the details here. So Klinefelter, those are people who have an extra X chromosome, but they do have a Y chromosome. So they're male people with turner syndrome have one functioning x chromosome but no y chromosome they have a vagina and uterus they are female
0: so you i mean you're not just you're not just like dictating these people are male or female you're saying that um, they they look and in many functional respects are it's not ambiguous they're they're basically male or female except for these sort of defects for lack of a better word
1: yeah i mean so kleinfelter syndrome the people they don't they might have low T production and so they might Oh, have, like me. Right, you actually could be a man with Klinefelter syndrome. You could, <laughs> uh, like you might. Well, no, you have a lot of body hair, um, but you do have a little bit. That's of not a, true. You have man titties, right? You're you don't have body hair. I've seen your face.
0: I mean, I have some body hair. I thought you were saying I have a lot of body hair. I thought you were body shaming me.
1: <laughs> I, I, you know, I have never seen you without the, the cargo shorts and the full burka on, so I won't
0: comment on that. Asking for a friend, if you're just like totally impotent, is that an intersex thing?
1: <laughs> sure, asking for for a friend, yeah. So people with these disorder- disorders might be a little bit, or at least Kleinfelter, might be a little bit more androgynous in some ways. Like they might have like a small penis and you know, gynecomastia, so titties, but their sex is not actually ambiguous. G- Got it.
0: Yeah, there's just like a huge number of people, but that 1.7% estimate includes a lot of people who aren't meaningfully intersex is what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and Kleinfelter, people with Kleinfelter syndrome, this is a disorder that affects males. Turner syndrome is a disorder that affects females. So so Dawkins goes on. Obviously, Kleinfelter, always male, and Turner, always female, individuals must be eliminated from counts of intersex in which Fausto-Sterling's estimate shrinks from 1.7% to less than 0.02%. Genuine intersexes are way too rare to challenge the statement that sex is binary. There are two sexes in manholes, and that's that. So that struck me because this claim that intersex people are as common as redheads, they're almost 2% of the population, you hear that a lot. You've heard this, I assume.
0: Yeah, yes, it is, it is a common claim, which surprises me because it's so crazy. Anyway, yeah.
1: Yeah, but this is, this is a very common claim. I heard this on Fresh Air recently did an interview with an intersex person and uh, an author of a book about intersex and, and made this claim as well. It is, you hear this frequently. It has just sort of become canon among some. And according to Dawkins here, it's A, not true, and B, the genesis of this claim is because Anne Fausto-Sterling inflated the the data. So Fausto-Sterling, she's a feminist biologist, and she's the author of the book Sexing the Body, Gender, Politics, and the Construction of Sexuality. She also wrote an article called The Five Sexes, Why Male and Female Are Not Enough, where she flushed these ideas out. That article, The Five Sexes, did in fact propose that there are five sexes. Female, male, female pseudo-hermaphrodite, which she called firms, male pseudo-hermaphrodite, which she called merms, and true hermaphrodites, which she called herms. That are... Sh-
0: Wait, shrew? <laughs> true. True. I thought you said shrew. Like she was calling them shrews, <laughs> like really annoying women. Okay.
1: <laughs> that would be amazing. It's a whole sex. Annoying women have their own category. So this piece came out in 1993. And I think you could say this was a founding text in the Sex is a Spectrum, actually, canon, Jesse, how familiar are you with Anne Fausta Sterling?
0: I mean, I I haven't read enough of the original work, but I've corresponded a bit with her, and I know she's a highly respected academic And that you're right that this has played a major role in spreading the idea of sex being a spectrum. Although, I mean if there were five sexes that wouldn't really make it a spectrum, it would make it like whatever a a quintuple modal. I don't know something. Uh, but I'm very familiar with this 1.7% thing because it's a really good example of something I'm interested in, which is the way zombie statistics get endlessly propagated and sort of muck up, uh, Public debates.
1: Okay, so I have not I have to admit I haven't read her books. I have read some of her papers and, and, and articles. And for a while, we were all on the same listserv. And I had this memory of her saying on the listserv that she proposed the five sexes in jest. And then I found a tweet from 2020 in which she said, I'm paraphrasing here, tongue-in-cheek, I propose five sexes instead of two, males, females, merms, firms, and herms. And this is a quote. Gender activists began to think through the concept of binary sex and to explore the intimate dance between sex and gender. Some people got that mine was a modest proposal, referencing Swift. And no, I do not think Swift really wanted people to eat children, while others took me literally and argued I knew nothing about biology. So I emailed her and she again referenced Swift. She said, I don't think he intended a literal interpretation." It was certainly not possible for me to predict that that an essay I wrote 30 years ago to address a particular historical moment, the start of the intersex movement, would re-enter the debate now out of historical context that gave people the ability at the time to read it properly while now people struggle with it.
0: Hmm. So she's like sort of backing away from it a little bit or, I mean, again, it's unfair because we don't know exactly how she phrased it, but either way, this is undeniably taken on a life of its own and people reference that as though it's like a real and meaningful claim that debunks the idea that humans are sexually dimorphic
1: yeah and not only that so some of our listeners might know the name maya forsatter she's a woman in the uk who who went through this employment tribunal i might be getting the details wrong here basically lost her job because of her gender critical views
0: or her contract wasn't re-upped because of her gender critical views yeah
1: so there was a lawsuit about this and Anne fausto sterling's work this 1.7 percent of the population is intersex there are five sexes this was used as evidence against Maya Forstatter during this lawsuit.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
1: Okay, so I took a screenshot of that section from Dawkins Dawkins piece. I think that paragraph that I just read is a very clear and persuasive interpretation of, of, of how that statistic became so inflated. So I, I tweeted it, and it turns out that Dawkins actually got something wrong there. So Alex Byrne, he's an MIT philosopher, he's the author of a forthcoming book on sex and gender. He also is happens to be married to Carol Hooven, who's been on the show before, and uh, she wrote a fantastic book on testosterone. So Alex weighed in, and he pointed out that Dawkins got something slightly wrong. So to refresh, Dawkins said that Anne Fausto-Sterling included Kleinfelters and Turner syndromes in her estimate of intersex people, and that's why the number is so high. That is true, but as Alex pointed out, she also included late-onset congenital adrenal hyperplasia. That's a much larger population, and that accounts for almost 90% of that 1.7% statistic.
0: Gotcha. Okay, wait, but so you're saying that's wrong?
1: No, I'm saying it was Klinefelter's Turner Syndrome and late-onset congenital adrenal hyperplasia.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Okay,
1: uh, so that was that's a much more significant population. It's less rare. So late-onset uh, congenital adrenal hyperplasia... That's another DSD. That's a a disorder of sexual development. It's a genetic condition that affects the adrenal glands' ability to produce certain hormones. So in females, it can result in masculinization, so deeper voices. In males, it can result in things like low sperm count. And Alex added this on his tweet. Dawkins' conclusion is still right, since late-onset congenital adrenal hyperplasia is not an intersex condition by any sex. So just a quick fact check there. The details are slightly off, but the result is the same. So... I wanted to know what Anne Fausto-Sterling thought of Dawkins' assessment of her work, so I emailed her, and she said it wasn't correct. She called it an unfriendly parody, and she also sent me the paper that she wrote where this claim originated, or she's a co-author. It was called, How Sexually Dimorphic Are We?, and the abstract contains these lines. We surveyed the medical literature from 1955 to the present for studies of the frequency of deviation from the ideal male or female we conclude that this frequency may be as high as 2% of live births. So that's their definition of intersex.
0: Yeah, two problems. One is like maybe as high as doesn't mean is as high as. Also, uh, the deviating from the idea deal male or female? What does that mean?
1: So they're explicit. Later in the paper, they write, we define the intersexual as an individual who deviates from the platonic ideal of physical dimorphism at the chromosomal, genital, gonadal, or hormonal levels.
0: Do you think people, males who are circumcised are intersex <laughs> in this view? Or maybe
1: the ones who aren't are intersex. I don't know what the platonic ideal of the, of the Wang is. Yeah. Okay, so that's where this comes from. It is an incredibly broad definition of intersex. And the thing is, there's a very big deviation from the ideal, which could mean like a micro penis. Or do you know the show, Dave?
0: Not only do I know the show, Dave, I've been repeatedly told that I basically am Dave.
1: Well, you're not as talented, but yes, That's you definitely do, true. Lo- you do resemble. So the creator, his name's Dave Bird. He goes by the rap name Little Dicky, and he has a tangled urethra, which means that his pee hole isn't at the tip of his wiener. That's part of the show. It's in the storyline. And under this definition, deviation from the ideal, little dicky, would be intersex. But, of course, there is a massive difference between that and something like complete androgen insensitivity syndrome, which results in a person with XY chromosomes, so male chromosomes, developing internal testes and external female genitalia. Both of those are deviations from the platonic ideal. One of those, the latter is arguably intersex, and there is actually debate about whether or not this one counts, including within the uh, Carol Hooven Alex Byrne household. The other is just a funky penis.
0: Some people just got funky penises, okay? There's no reason to be judgmental.
1: Exactly. So Fausto-Sterling and her co-authors did include some caveats about that number within the body of the paper, and and they say, if you eliminate Turner-Kleinfelter late-onset the hyperplasia, whatever that one was, within this calculation, the estimate falls to 0.08%.
0: So that can explain why she's a little bit annoyed. Because yes. from her point of view, it's like, we, she we explained it. in the paper what our... Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, it is sort of buried within the paper, but I think, her, I think she thinks that Dawkins didn't actually read the paper. And so, yeah, D- Dawkins' framing might be a tiny bit disingenuous here, because I, this has happened to both of us. You put something in an article, and people accuse you of not knowing the thing or not putting the thing in the article. It's like, did you read the fucking article? Yeah. I can understand her annoyance there. But... Even if her annoyance is a little bit justified, it is also true that this idea that intersex people are almost 2% of the population did emerge from her paper, even if she included these caveats.
0: Yeah. And it's this has just been a very, you know, frankly, sort of dumb idea that has really caught on and made it harder to have this conversation.
1: Yeah. And it took a familiar trajectory. So this claim, almost 2% of the population is intersex. It was made in an academic paper that I doubt many people read, and then she wrote this book, "Sexing the Body." It came out in the year two thousand, and then it leapt from this obscure academic discourse to the general public. It spread from there and is now used as a gotcha when people are trying to own the turfs on Twitter.
0: And and it's the whole thing is just very silly because yeah, trans people <laughs> mostly aren't intersex. The whole question is what we should do when someone's biological sex differs from their gender identity. This whole, like, line of attack of, like, well, biological sex is too fuzzy to know has been so ill-conceived and anti-scientific from the start. And it just it violates the, like, original definition of being trans that a lot of us were sort of uh, – it's been so bizarre and it's been so demoralizing watching, you know, nature and other major uh, – Scientific American. Oh, God. awful, awful. Awful.
1: Yeah. And I, I think there's a fundamental problem with the term intersex. It's a very compelling term, but it's v- way overused. And it makes people think that there's like a third sex or that sex is a spectrum when in reality, the vast majority of people with DSDs, so that's disorders of sexual development, which is a, an actual and apt description of what's going on. They are either still male or female because sex is fundamentally determined by the size of the game.
0: All right. That's it. Thus concludes your preview. If you want to find out the answer, to what a woman is. The only place you will get that information is by listening to the rest of the episode. So go to blockedreporter.org, or you're going to walk around extremely confused, having no idea what a man or a woman is and, and what a fate that would be. Hope you enjoyed the preview.